Hello, everyone. Welcome to Free Reverie, hosted by your one and only Jujubee. If you haven't noticed, that's me. This is a podcast talking about anything and everything. Make sure to follow me on my social media, Snapchat, JBSU, Instagram, JBSU18, and Twitter, at Perfect Flute. Now let's get talking. Symphony. Welcome to another episode of Free Reverie. I have a new guest today. Um, Not necessarily a musician. I know I've been having a lot back-to-back, but he's completely different, I promise. Um, So if you'd like to introduce yourself, you can. Hey, y'all. William Joseph Roberts. I don't know. I am a crazy, insane squirrel wrangler, author, design engineer, uh, mechanic. I don't know. There's too many things. I am a jack of all (laughs) trades. Just about nothing I haven't had my hands into. Right. The squirrel wrangler got me when you told me that. I was like, what? (laughs) That's that's new. That is the easiest way to explain all the crap that goes on inside my head. I mean, I have all these squirrels, and the head squirrel's name is Frank. And then you have Jose, and you got Bob over here to the side who's just got his feet kicked up on the desk. And they come up with these wonderful ideas in the office, you know, up there in that office space. And they then they start scattering papers all over the place. And the next thing you know, you got you got another one over in the back corner with the jukebox kicking over the music. But he's got like seven different songs playing at the same time running in the back of my head while I'm trying to think of something. So that is the squirrel wrangling. Oh, okay. I thought when you said squirrel wrangling, I thought you meant like literally go and hunt for squirrels. No, no, no. <laughs> All those evil mind squirrels that are going tw- 20 different directions at the same time, and you have to corral them and wrangle them into place to get the idea down. So if anyone that's listening out there, if you guys make a tweet, hashtag squirrel wrangler, we greatly appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, we're going to make that go somewhere. Maybe. Um, I'll probably put that when I post the, this episode. So if I think about it. Um, <laughs> okay, so you were a mechanic. And for how long? Um, Ten years working on F-15 aircraft in the Air Force. A mm-hmm. um, couple of deployments under my belt. Got stationed over in Okinawa and a couple of stations here in the States. I mean, a lot of good people. I, the F-15 world is a small world, so you you could see somebody that you had it or you, you served with at a different base. And they oh, could just show yeah. up and it's like, it, it was just yesterday you guys were together, if, even if it had been like five years. You know, it just, it was crazy brotherhood. We worked hard, we played hard, and we kept them birds in the air, you know? Yep. So how was it working in the Air Force? Um, Just interesting. The the Air Force all depended on your job. For the most part, it was just a job. You got done with basic training and boot camp. Mm -hmm. You just went to your job. You learned how to do it, and you did it. I mean, I worked on aircraft. Majority of the time, I worked on second shift. So first shift would launch aircraft and recover aircraft. They'd send the pilots up to do the training sporties so they could keep trained in how to do combat maneuvers and all that. Second shift, we took care of fixing the stuff that broke. Right. And then third shift was a servicing shift. 
Um, so they would take care of, you know, filling up the locks bottles or topping off fuel and, and, uh, hydraulic fluid and things like that. But it, it, the standard operating procedure was anything before 12 hours is a cutback because right. that's how hard we worked. We would work 12, 13, 14 hours at 12 hours. You dropped tools and did paperwork. Um, no, it, it was crazy. It, it was a great time. I loved it. Learned a lot. Met a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. And just worked really, really hard. All sorts of weather. Um, after a while, I got to be known as Sergeant Hillbilly. And the flight chiefs didn't even introduce me by my real name. It was, this is Sergeant Hillbilly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, because I, I was born and raised in West Virginia, uh, coal fields of Mingo in Logan County, West Virginia, down where the uh, Hatfields and McCoys uh, ran about. Mm-hmm. And uh, like day three of boot camp, I ended up getting tagged with Hillbilly, and that was my call sign the whole time through. Um, but yeah, after a while, it, it was Sergeant Hillbilly. Nobody actually knew my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just being introduced to be like, okay, so what's your real name? And you're just standing there. Uh, it's been so long since I actually knew it. Like, you completely <laughs> forget your name. And you're thinking that it's not Hillbilly, but I know this. Right. <laughs> That's crazy, oh. but it's pretty funny. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot funnier when it was during that time. Um, well, it could still be funny, because I don't know all the stories. But <laughs> but so, um, why did you stop? Like, why did you stop serving? Oh, um, I was medically discharged. Okay. Um, I had gotten injured working on one of the aircraft, took a, a corner of a gear door to my lower back Ooh. and pinched the nerves and screwed it all up. And, uh, what was it? Oh, four is when I got booted on the medical and they were going through and getting rid of anybody that had a medical profile during a downsizing. So, oh, no. yeah. but it's all good. I mean, they cut me a severance check. I went to college on the GI bill, you know, did all that and got a new career. Okay. All right. Um, so tell me about some of the special, uh, um, I can't speak now, special <laughs> people you have met during that time that you did serve though. Oh, okay. During the time that I served. Yeah. Like in a different country um, or. Anything like you can remember their name and their story? Uh, there was one that really stands out. It was actually my first deployment overseas. Um, I don't remember his name. He was an imam. Um, that one, the 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 uh, holy leaders. I mean, he he'd be the equivalent of like a, a bishop or a pastor, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We did this cultural exchange, and uh, they took us off base where we uh, went to this olive plantation and uh, the guy that owned the plantation, he had went to school in, in uh, Chicago. He went to college in Chicago. So he was a little Americanized, which was interesting. You, you got this Middle Eastern chic like guy that is swearing and cussing like any good old frat boy. And he's got his hidden hooch there that he's not supposed to have in country. And we're having a barbecue. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the same time, we're all sitting around in this big, huge stone patio area. And and there's two or three of us sitting there with the imam and just learning about uh, the Islamic culture. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, 
here in the States, we hear a lot of stuff, but you don't know a lot of stuff. Right. And, uh, of course, us being dumb and young and, and guys, we're all like, so is it true that you can have more than one wife? Like, which was, as long as you can support them and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we learned a lot more about the culture. And, you know, when you really started digging into it, it's like, because I ended up getting a copy of the, the Koran, and I read through it. Well, I'd read through the Bible before, and eventually I ended up getting a copy of the Torah and reading through it. It's like you'd be amazed at all the stuff that's tit for tat um, in all three of those books, but they all came from the same area, you know. So it wasn't a surprise after you started, or after I started looking at it, it's like, wow, okay, everything that's in the Old Testament is in the Koran, is in the Torah. And I mean, well, some of it you start looking and it's in the Epic of Gilgamesh, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, I ended up learning a lot about that culture and the way they do things. And, you know, it's the extremists that really make it bad. But I mean, come on, we got extremists here. We got the KKK, they're extremist Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, or the equivalent of uh, it's you got a bad apple anywhere you go. It, it doesn't matter what religion or what race you are. There's always going to be somebody that's just a bad apple. Right. Um, now, that that was that was eye opening, though, because I hadn't been out of the hills for long. You know, I'd seen Texas, and then I'd seen Goldsboro, North Carolina, and then we deployed to the Middle East, and and just getting to talk to them and and see how their culture is done up, it, it just it was so different, but a lot of it was the same too, you know, uh, just moral values and things of how to be proper, I guess. Um, you know, you, you don't go running naked through the street kind of thing. And it, there, there were a lot of similarities. Right. Okay. All right. So, um, one more question about, you know, just the military in general. Tell me a, the funniest story that you remember that could only happen in the military. Oh, God. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, a lot yes. of those. <laughs> I mean, um... Wow. Yeah. Well, let's see. So many. I was Sergeant Hillbilly at the time. And, um, we had this weapons troop. Okay. And see, yeah. weapons guys and crew chiefs didn't ever get along all that well. It just, it, there was always this unsaid war going on between us. And, and we'd been playing pranks back and forth. That was one thing we, we always did. You always played pranks and, and, you know, usually the QA guys, they would come hollering at me because somebody zip tied the drive shaft on their truck thinking it was me. And they were at the other oh, end of the no. flight. And they'd come up and say, when did you come down here, Hillbilly? It wasn't me. I've been right here. <laughs> oh, no. You kept getting blamed, kept blamed for everything. For, oh, I got blamed for snakes got killed out on the flight line over in, in the desert. It's like, I, I was asleep. It wasn't me. <laughs> Do you want a recording? Like... <laughs> um, but... Yeah, this was towards the end, just before I got out, and I was a sergeant, and um, I was running third shift. And we had this one weapons troop was brand new and just mouthy. And he wouldn't shut up. And it was like, 
weapons are so much better than you guys. You guys aren't nothing. You can't do anything. Our weapons are what make 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 the aircraft the aircraft. Get him. So my boys, <laughs> my boys jumped him, oh, and no. and we duct taped him. Oh no! No no no! Head to toe. I mean, full bullet helmet, the works. You know, I mean, he was in a cocoon. And then left him in the uh, women's bathroom, snugged up to the toilet, and kind of forgot about him. And day shift found him, and he laid in there for like twelve hours or something because <laughs> oh, we forgot about no. him. And th- you know his guys were, well, where? What did you do with him? Where's he at? We don't know. He he's taking a nap, maybe, man. He found him a good place to go hide and sleep. <laughs> um. <laughs> that's terrible yeah, that, but you know duct tape is a wonderful thing it, it is a tool <laughs> and I can imagine I mean, if he had to go to the bathroom I'd feel so bad <laughs> yeah he'd have been alright it would have walked off <laughs> oh my goodness anytime pranks I hear about pranks and stuff I keep um, especially like military stuff I keep hearing um, that movie Major Pain you ever seen that one? Oh god Long time ago. Long time ago. He's got the kids buried and he's watering them with their yeah. bald heads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, I don't know if you've listened to all my episodes, but there's one episode I did mention um, about my grandpa, my great-great-grandpa. He was actually in the war. And so I was at my grandpa's house and he's telling me about the story. He's in the newspaper and all this stuff. And he gives me these items that were from my great-grandpa, and it had medals, and I was like, okay, this is really cool. But I'm like, every, you know, any average person who's in the military could get medals, okay, whatever, because um, I n- never got the chance to meet him. But there was one badge that I am so fascinated by, and what it is, it's a badge that was on a Soviet soldier that he killed. Ah, that is so fascinating to me. I don't know. I was just drawn to it. <laughs> and I had to have it. So my grandpa gave it to me, and I've had it ever since. Well, see, that's one of those things that at society, it shifts society. Mm-hmm. Like, in, in a lot of the research I've been doing for one of my other series, I've been looking into the old school biker gangs and how they came about and, you know, the traditional, um, biker club. Right. And a lot of them formed just after world war two. And they formed because these guys came back. They weren't right in the head anymore because the things they did and the things they saw, and they didn't have that brotherhood that they had before because you know, you hear people talk about brotherhood. Yeah. And it's bullshit. Brotherhood is when you can call that guy at two o'clock in the morning and tell him to bring a shovel and he'll be there with bells on. That's brotherhood. And that's the kind of brotherhood that these guys lost when they came back to the States and went back to their families. They didn't have it anymore. So they ended up uh, forming these biker gangs. Well, a lot of these guys came back with war trophies. They came back with the German helmet. They came back with the um, the the swastika medals and the iron crosses and things like that that all got incorporated into the biker culture. But for those guys, those were war trophies that they were showing off for their kills. 
But then the next thing you know, it got incorporated by the younger kids into the neo-Nazi movement, and things changed. You know, something good ended up turning into something bad. It's just the historical stuff that you learn just by doing the research for writing is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the same thing goes for that, that metal. That Russian metal, it may have been a, a war trophy. Right. Unless he, yeah. unless it was given to him or bestowed to him from you know a Russian general or something. I mean, it Which could that, be. That, that, that's a story know, all in itself, right there. Yeah, who knows? He died uh, shortly after I was born, so it's just something like I don't get to ask those questions, and I'm sure at the time, you know, my grandpa wasn't able to ask him those questions because his dad firmly. I mean, he's told me that he was very firm on not really explaining in detail as to what happened. Right. So, I mean, I'm sure now if he was still alive, he'd be willing to tell stories. But when my grandpa was little, of course, he just wasn't able to. Um, and it's, it's completely understandable. But the episode that I'm referring to that I mentioned this, uh, we went to sort of depth because he's also the guy that I was interviewing, also a writer. And he was telling me a story about his grandpa. So you should check it out. It's Steve Wallet. And okay. um, yeah, he's. Phenomenal. I, I loved interviewing him. Um, I love interviewing all my guests, especially writers, because I just, I'm so fascinated where you guys get your inspiration from to end up writing a book. Like, I'm barely hanging in there writing a blog post that's like <laughs> not even half page. Like, I can't imagine writing an entire book because honestly, I have so many run on sentences. I don't think I could keep up, like, editing wise. I'm sure someone would, like, try to edit, be like, first page, I'm done because it would well, be too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, it's it's all a matter of dedication. It really is. Because, well, well, like I said before we, we started the recording, you know, I had the, this podcast that I used to do. And the podcast ended up starting all because somebody said I had a great radio voice, and which was do. a mistake. You do. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that has gotten me into trouble. Now, see, I... I've been writing since grade school. Uh, you know, instead of being out there playing baseball or kickball or something on the playground, I was the kid under the tree with the notepad or the sketch pad. Right. I was that weird kid. I was the one that would go and hang out in the library instead of go to the gym. Um, but growing up in southern West Virginia, no one knew how to point me in the right direction. I mean, I'd ask and I never really got any feedback of who to contact or how I need to go about writing to get it properly published and things like that. Because even in high school, my my English and literature literature teachers couldn't really tell me. Right. Um, There were no clubs or anything like that. So, you know, fast forward, go into the military. I jot things down here and there. Um, And in a. About 99, 2000, I really started jotting a lot more down and building on previous ideas that I wrote down decades before, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, what was it? I was, well, there, there was a bunch of us getting divorced at the same time in the military because we were working that much. Um so I was getting divorced, getting booted out of the military, trying to figure out what I was doing with my life. And 
I, I just kind of fell into creating my fantasy world and started writing the books for that series. Um, and then current wife who I was dating at the time when I was getting out, was like, Hey, just come move in with me. Do you, or use your GI bill, go to college and we'll go from there. And I did. And I made a damn good house bitch. I mean, I had the house clean, the dishes done, laundry done, dinner on the table. When she got there, all my homework was finished and I'd already gotten to write that day. It was good. I, I work well free range, you know, when I ain't got any kind of schedule. I, I can I just go. Um, and I, I wrote a lot. I've got four books for my fantasy series already figured out, but they're not finished. And it ended up getting put aside because of life. I finished college. I got a job. I started doing 60, 70 hour work weeks. We started having babies and I'm writing in between here and there. And then I, I got into contact with the Chattanooga Writers Guild and I started learning from them, which I learned a lot of what not to do from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, life got in the way. Um, fast forward up to the podcast time, which was what, about um, 2010, I think was when we started it. Uh, one of the first interviews I did was I had Ben Bova on, and he actually let me interview him twice. Um, for anybody that doesn't know who Ben Bova is, he is the grandfather of modern-day science fiction. He really is. Uh, he was the head editor at Analog Magazine. He's actually the one that brought Orson Scott Card on board at Analog um, before he wrote Ender's Game and all those. Um, but... The first recording didn't record, and he let me come back and do an interview with him again. And the one thing that he told me was, if you want to write, write. Make it a habit, and it'll happen. And it never did click, and I just kept on with the podcast, and it ended up being a distraction. Um, but life continued. Life got busy. Three babies. The wife had cancer. And we ended the podcast, but I was still trying to write and do short stories and still trying to figure out what I need to do and where I need to submit things because I had no clue, really had no guidance. Uh, the, the Writers Guild, they were good, but after the fact, they're a literary Writers Guild. Mm-hmm. They are Hemingway and Thoreau, and, you know, Twain. They're not pulp. They're not Lovecraft. They're not Tolkien. And that's the stuff that I write. So a lot of what they were bleeding on and telling me is wrong. I kept hearing in all my favorite authors, you know, Robert Jordan has all these flowery sentences with, with words ending in, you know, adverbs with L Y and I and G. And it's like, but you guys keep saying not to use those, but they're all over the place here. What are you talking about? (laughs) You know, I had this dichotomy that I couldn't figure out. And, and, I, I actually went back to a, a guild meeting this past November, and that's when it clicked. I'm like, I'm in the wrong damn place. This is all literary. This has nothing to do with anything I'm doing. Um, and I got sidetracked. Uh, where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, um, well, okay. So I, I continued writing, and I, I continued using the contacts that I learned from the uh, podcast days. I mean, the, I, I, for whatever reason, I needed to learn some lessons before I could progress. Whatever the universe was thought that I needed, I, I had to do it there. You know, I, I learned how to network. I learned how to make connections and 
and get resources as needed in order to make things happen in an ABC sequence. Um, I just, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how to research, how to approach people with the proper, you know, type of email, things that have fed into now, which are paying off. Now, I may not have been progressing the writing, but everything else that needed to progress was getting done at that time. Um, what was it about? Two and a half years ago, um, I just started a new job and we had a new QA inspector come in and, and we were building pressure vessels and things like that, uh, boiler piping, and he had to come and inspect everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, come to find out, he was part of Liberty Con here in Chattanooga. I'd never heard of Liberty Con. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was going to be their 30, 30th year? Yeah, their, their 30th year coming up. For Liberty Con, and I'd never heard of them. Nobody at the the Writers Guild had ever mentioned it. Right. It is a writers yeah. business convention where all these big names show up. I mean, <clears throat> um, Tony Weiskopf from Bane Book shows up. Larry Correa, um, Larry Flint, John Ringo. Um, you know, you got the people from the Four Horsemen universe, from Chris Kennedy Publishing, Mark Wandry, and all them are showing up there. It's just, you've got all these authors showing up. I'd never even heard of this thing until the, this guy sh mentions it to me. It's like, okay, and I got a ticket, and I went, and I fell in love. And I learned so much in that one weekend at that con and made so many connections. I, I was home, and it, that's what it felt like. It felt like I was in the right place. <clears throat> Um, went last year, met even more people. You know, after going to the first one, I got into an anthology. I got published for the first time officially. And it was just like, this is amazing. Why did I not know about this? You know, and and I've I, I well, I sent you the list of things that I got published, and I got more coming soon. Right. Um, there's a couple more anthologies I've been asked to join, which is amazing in itself. Um. But, you know, last year I was on panels at LibertyCon, my second year. This this year coming, uh, um, end of June, I, I'm already scheduled to be on one panel at least, so I'm working the con. I'm on the con's webpage right next to John Ringo, which I love his writing. And it's just like, what the hell? Something just happened, and now I'm like all of a sudden next to John Ringo. How the <laughs> hell did this happen? You know, Patience. Uh, but... it's all paying off slowly and all these lessons I've learned and the habits that I've formed, the story that I jotted down two years ago, I actually sat down this past September and started writing it because <clears throat> I had, I had the outline notes and I had some scribbled scenes and, and general ideas all the way through. Well, after muddling around and playing with all these short stories, I actually sat down in September, 4 a.m., I am up. I write from 4 to 6. I go to work. I write at lunch. I come home, play with wife, babies, you know, do whatever chores need done, do it all over again. I write from 4 to 6. That is my habit. And that's what Ben Bova had told me all those years ago that never clicked. But now, after I've learned all this other stuff and, and I have some kind of perspective now, 
um, it clicked, and I understand it. So if you actually want to do it and you want to complete something, you have to form the habit of it. Right. It's just like just like going um, going to the gym. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. You know, if you're going to make it habit, then do it. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Just do it. Exactly. <coughs> That's what I I do. Um, you know, <coughs> everyone has that um, New Year's resolution and stuff. But I, I've been very consistent of making sure my Mondays and Thursdays are Zumba days and. All that, no matter what, no matter how I'm feeling, I just keep going and keep doing it because I know that if I stop, I won't have the energy to keep going. Right. So I've incorporated, that's why I'm so busy. But I love it because, you know, I'm healthier that way, exercising as much as I can. (laughs) Well, and, and for whatever reason, we work better on some type of small schedule at least. Yeah. If we can keep ourselves to some kind of minimal schedule, we work great. If it's just kind of wing it here and there, <clears throat> things just don't seem to happen sometimes. Right. Yeah, I tend to work a lot better when my schedule is somewhat busy throughout the day. Because if I don't have any plans, I'm just I'm at a loss. Because by the time I'm I'm like relaxed, I'm like, well, the day's gone. I could have gotten so much done if I just would have planned it. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> Um, so with your writing, um, everyone should know, and I will put it in the description, you know, you've had some um, work actually published, and uh, the one is called The Final Twilight. It'll be found in Altered Reality Magazine, which is very amazing to hear. So tell us a little bit as to what that story is a little bit about. Um, that one actually started off as a... Uh spinoff of another story that is waiting to be finished. I I probably got a good dozen stories that I just need to sit down and finish. And those are the stories that over all those years got built up, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, this one is basically an alien race dying. They are in, they, they are retreating into their hollow for the last time. They all expect to die because their world is dying. And they're going into the hollow to tell the stories of their ancestors. And it's um, the setup is similar to Canterbury Tales, where you have all these individuals telling a different story. But I've got like um, the princess is telling a story about a an ancient princess, right. a warrior telling a warrior's tale, a uh, stonemason is telling a stonemason's tale, you know, and they're all going to have some kind of moral to them or something to learn from. Mm-hmm. And I've got two or three of them scribbled out right now. I, I haven't finished fleshing them out and putting them on the computer. But um, once I get about five or six of them, then I'll shoot them over to Altered Reality, and they can start putting them up, and then I'll just fill in the blank behind. And the plan is, when I get so many of them done, then I'll put them all together into one publication and publish it all, all out in one book. There you go. Okay. 
right, so are your plans to become just an author now? Like, just keep writing? Or do you have more? So you've done a lot. So um, do you have something else that you want to accomplish while still writing on the side? Um, I Right now, my ultimate goal is to get to that point where I can write for a living. Okay. I'm, I can see the goal. I can see that light at the end of the tunnel now. For, for whatever reason, I had to go through all this other crap to learn how to get there, and I can see it now. I mean, there's there's authors that I'd never heard of them before Liberty Con. Well, there's some of them that are making six figures easy, and I, I had never heard of their names before. Right. But they have that strong of a following. Okay. You know, they're not Stephen King, or they're not Tom Clancy, but they're still pulling in six figures. It's right. just like, wow. And now I know that you stop with the podcasting, but have you ever considered maybe starting one just for your short stories, like just to read some through the podcast, kind of like an audiobook, except people wouldn't have to pay for to hear it. Um, no, because like you found out, um, you know what it takes to record and edit and mm-hmm. do all that stuff. And I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to getting the recording just right and, and splicing everything together. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm yeah, still learning. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, okay. I got the final twilight on uh, altered reality. I've got silver tongue series started, which is a little pirate fantasy series in my, um, Tara and I fantasy world. Um, that's going along the same lines. When I, when I get so many of them done, well, okay, there's a whole book and I'll take them and I'll print them out. Um, then I have the gruesome twosome series, which the first one is published on, uh, um, a under the Mar Nebrium series. Um, but I've been in talks with, uh, Rob Simone, um, he's got a couple of different radio podcast or radio shows. Um, and he's, he's, what, he's been on or helped produce ancient aliens and a couple other different things. He's got a radio show. Um, I think it was one Oh four five in London or something like that. Um, nice. but he's interested in doing some updated radio dramas and, um, uh, I actually talked to him on the phone today. Uh, we were going over some of the logistics of what we're doing with him. Mm-hmm. And he's really interested in the Final Twilight series. Um, it's just we've got to figure out how how we're going to get them recorded and to do them as a true radio drama. Um, you know, figure out who's going to do the editing and stuff. It's just the logistics stuff that we got to figure out right now. Well, of course, because you don't want to do it. So, But would you be the one to like read it? Well, see, that's where we we need multiple actors depending on the voices needed. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't see, know if like the voiceover, you know, like um, to tell I sort of the scene could. prior to acting. I could, especially to get things kicked off and started, which we've talked about that before between me, him, and a few others. We could do it. Yeah. I'd rather not because I'd rather focus on the writing and not to get sidetracked with this. Right. But you might be able to, at the end of it, you might be able to have, like, a short, like, advertisement or, or something like that towards your, like, short readings or something like that. 
Right. To um, promote your stuff, of course. Well, um, my, my main webpage, uh, WilliamJosephRoberts.com, mm-hmm. in the process of being built right now, so I'm, I've got crap laying everywhere, but I've put up a uh, uh, an Odyssey radio player for iHeartRadio, because that uh, Odyssey radio is run by Russ Hasledge, and, that, and I think Rob Simone is the producer or executive producer for him. I don't remember what, what title he he has with it, um, but that's where the, the radio dramas would play through, and um, they've got a lot of old school, like X-1, the old Buck Rogers serials and stuff like that that they play, and then they've got some other uh, podcasts that they put up there and, and play out. There's a lot of uh, nerd podcasts, like um, they talk Star Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, you know, you go down the list and, and they're talking about it. Uh, but the plan is to get them done with other stories in that same kind of feel as the old Buck Rogers serials or the X minus one. And you've got sound effects, you've got environmental sounds going on along with the actors. And, and here you go. Here's your little radio drama. Just like you'd be sitting around the radio at eight o'clock waiting for the show, you know? Okay. Um, but that, that, that's in the works. And then, well, the novel, which, um, the novel's name is Flux Runners. Um, mankind's chaotic stumble back into the galaxy, basically. Um, right now, it is an alpha draft. The alpha readers are reading and bleeding on it. So far, I haven't gotten anything bad back. I mean, everybody's loving it. They're saying a fast-paced read. So that that makes me hopeful that I did something right. You know, I've, <laughs> I've actually had a couple of comments about uh, them laughing so hard they couldn't breathe, and you know, a couple of spots that evoked emotion. Which to me, that that is that is the top thing right there. If right. I could evoke an emotion or a physical response, a reader. I've done my job. <laughs> you know, I, I've had scenes from um, my fantasy series, and, and there was this one particular scene that was just god-awful nasty, and it, it involved a rotten turkey. And the people that were reading it were actually gagging from reading it. They had to st- stop and take a second and go back to reading. Right. It was like, okay... I did something right. What did I just do right? And I'm trying to figure it out, you know? How did I make that happen? How did I evoke that? Um, what was it in chapter three? No, chapter four, I think it was in Flux Runner. I've got this one spot where um, one of the characters comes in spouting off this incantation. And I'd passed it around to a couple people I knew and a couple that were witches. And this one old mountain witch over here towards Trenton He's like, you do not need to do that. You don't need to put that in there. It's raising the power. It's like, yeah, I do. I did good. See, look, I muddled it up right here. I changed the wording. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, if I can pull some kind of physical or emotional response, that's what I want. That's awesome. I, I like I said, I don't think I could write. <laughs> I really don't think. I, I think that I would tell someone my story and they could write it down. Let me see what you come up with. 
<laughs> I, I, I am so fascinated by writers. I'm telling you. So oh, where I mean, do you, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh no, it's gonna. I was just gonna say, where do you draw your inspiration from? Well, um, that, that's overall. what I was getting ready to draw. I mean, you know, inspiration comes from anywhere. It could be anything. Um, I mean, I could be out here weed eating, and all of a sudden I get an idea, and it's like, okay, I gotta jot it down. I mean, I usually carry at least a little notepad and a pen in my pocket. I've always got notepads in my backpack. I keep a Word document open at work so I can pop up a window, type out whatever's in my brain pan, hide it behind the windows before the boss sees it. Um, uh, it really just all depends on what's going on. I mean, um, book two for my ward or for the Terra Nye series. Yeah, book two for the Terra Nye series. I had the inspiration for the initial villain. Mm-hmm. While me and the wife were sitting at uh, Ruby Tuesdays in Panama City, Florida, and this one lady at the bar, just the way that she was expressing herself, and I couldn't hear a word she was saying, but it was all in a matter of her body language. And just the way she carried herself and the way she was expressing herself, I had an idea. And I was like, I, I need paper. I need something to write with. And, you know, the wife took off to the car to go get pen and paper because. She knew what was getting ready to happen. Right. I, I was going to end up molesting some poor waitress for her writing pad and a pen so I could get it out of my head before I lost it. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't use the term molesting. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it could just hit from from out of nowhere. It could be something mundane that sparks an idea. I mean, it can even be a dream. There's stuff that I've already started to interlace and incorporate into some of my writing that have been dream or have been elements of dream that have stuck with me for years. Um, if you get a couple of writers together, the inspiration is exponential because they will feed on each other. Right. It, it becomes it, it becomes something like a nuclear chain reaction because one will say something and it, the next one will feed off of that and the third one will feed off of both of them and and you know it just keeps growing and growing. Have you ever sat in in a um, um, a brainstorming session for like? Um, Ah, oh, crap. When you're doing product improvement. When I'm doing what? Have you ever <laughs> been in a brainstorming session when you're doing product improvement? Uh, brainstorming sessions, but what do you mean by product improvement? Okay, like uh, this one company that I worked for, we did industrial equipment. Uh, we were... We had people from all over the company, you know, not just engineering. <clears throat> we'd come together and we'd sit down and try to figure out, okay, how can we cut down the amount of man hours? How can we cut down the amount of material we're using? You know, all this different stuff. How can we cut steps to improve our product, make it cheaper to produce, and make a better buck? Right. Well, you don't throw out anything. You just start letting everybody's ideas just come out and you start jotting them down 
and it doesn't matter how far fetched it is, you still count it and you put it on the board. Mm -hmm. So you do that same kind of thing with a bunch of writers and it goes insane. Um, me and my, my partners, um, RJ Layden and, um, Benjamin Tyler Smith, we'll sit there and start tossing things back and forth when we get together and we start feeding off each other and we all get ideas and we're all jotting crap down and it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> Because we feed into each other's stuff. And, and it may start off with one is asking a question about, hey, what do you think about this? <clears throat> and then here come the other ideas, and then we're bouncing back and forth. And next thing you know, we got something totally different that's getting put off to the side for another idea later. Right. Um, so, you know, you're adding to the slush pile, if nothing else. Well, I mean, I, you kind of do that throughout <clears throat> college, like for group papers and stuff in groups, you know, like – um. That's it's called groupthink. So it's about the same thing. They just renamed it then. Yeah, <laughs> I was like product. Yeah, so yeah, groupthink. Of course, I have. But um, um I, I don't know. It, it's nice to get um, uh, different stuff going, idea wise. So that's why I always ask people, you know, what do you think of this episode? What do you think I should be doing better? Or anything, stuff that I can improve upon what I'm doing now. And so, that's why I'm lucky I have a couple people saying, okay, the audio needs a little bit adjusted. And so I'm learning how to adjust it so, you know, my sound, like when I'm talking, doesn't get drowned out by the person I'm interviewing. Right. So. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to have the God voice. That, that sucks trying to edit that out. I'm it does suck yes but I, you know like I said I'm learning and so yeah I I didn't necessarily like group projects at all in college because half the time I was the one doing all the work but <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying anything guys you know who the you are I'm just saying because uh, it, it, it happened every time I was the most organized individual in the group and had to keep everyone on track it was irritating. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. But no, I uh, the inspiration that I come up with, you know, some of the episodes and stuff, obviously, are the interviews. But um, I go on all social media and I'm like, okay, so what's the best thing to talk about that isn't talked about enough? And so that's where my inspiration comes from. Because I don't want to consistently talk about the same stuff over and over and over. Because that gets old. Well well, okay, on, on the writer's perspective, for me, um, you know, I can only come up with so many ideas before it starts to become mundane, and it's the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I love the random chance. I love a dice roll just to see what an outcome could be. Uh, you so know a how Eminem does it, though? No. The rapper does? Like, to create his music, what he does is, if he has an idea... He writes, jots it down, puts it in a jar. Okay, if he's ready to write music, he t he mixes up and he takes, you know, so many pieces of paper and he creates a song based on those pieces of paper. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so it's you, not You throw planned. the random aspect into it. Well, same, similar, when I've got, like, just a particular, like, I need a location or I need something or an object or a name or... 
you'll see on whether it's Facebook or Twitter, I'll pop a question out there and it just seems random and out of place of, okay, I need this. And people will answer. It's like, cool. And I'll pull from those answers something to fill the hole. So it's not the same thing over and over, you know, coming out of my mind because before long, the characters end up becoming the same. Mm-hmm. Um, in in this novel, all of my characters, with the exception of like two, are based on people that I know. And they all know that they're in here and they love it. <laughs> you know, I've, I've changed the names up. Well, of course. Um. But they they love it because I I took them as a person because mm-hmm. if I sit and create all these characters odds are they're going to all be similar in some way. Well, if I take these people that I know, and then I take that one or two little personality traits or flaws that they have and enhance it times ten, mm-hmm. well now they stand out. Now they're kind of comical or odd. Uh, w- one of the main ones that really stands out would be Krista. Krista is one of our neighbors down here, and she is impatient. Well, she's <laughs> overly impatient, and just it, it irks the other characters, and it, it creates conflict. But the conflict is minor until things build up, and other conflicts start. And, you know, it's just it that in itself becomes a chain reaction. But using those enhanced personalities, it creates a new randomness that I can feed on. Okay. Uh, Well, I mean, that's interesting. So wouldn't it be kind of interesting to create a story that had characters being so somewhat, I guess, mundane, as you say? Like something that's just happening every day, the same thing, kind of like Groundhog Day. You know, kind of like inspiration from that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that'd be an interesting thing. Like, not something that's predictable, but a change. Like, a change up, I guess. Hmm. That'd be interesting to read. If, like, I don't know, someone were to find something different out of nowhere, and then they were in a completely different universe. Or, or... You could write a story that, you well, know, that, that, um, the that, doppelganger, you know, like that type of universe. Right. Well, I was going to say, like, you, you almost have, like, um, um, the evil dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got just Joe Blow working at, at uh, oh, what was it? Uh, S-Mart that ends up having to save the world from the undead. Yeah, but, uh, you know, not have the same outcome as the movie, but just, like, something completely different. Right. I don't know. That was just an idea. (laughs) I was like, yeah, and you can call it so mundane or something like that. Well, I mean, what was it? Uh, Oh, crap, I can't even think of the name. The the movie with the dude. Um, <laughs> You're a little vague. The the big Lebowski. I don't the dude. Know. I mean that that was. It was a lot of random chance, and just mundane. I mean, d- dude was 
nothing. He was a slacker. Mm-hmm. And all this crap just kept happening to him. So, I mean, that, that, that kind of fits the bill right there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just so many things you could write about. I just, to find inspiration through something like people writing songs and everything, I'm just, I'm inspired by that. And I'm talking about stuff that you know that person spent a lot of time on, not just something so simple. Like, um, yeah. like with music, you know, you could tell if someone put a lot of emotion into rather than just like if they actually wrote their own music, that means more to me than someone who had someone else write it. Right, or or somebody's just singing somebody else's song because like yeah, like taking uh, it's more than just sampling. You're literally <laughs> copying the entire thing. Well, I mean, like um, what was it, Katy Perry, and there's there's a bunch of them out there that they don't write their song. They no. might have wrote some of the first ones, but they don't anymore. Kesha, They're given the song to read. The artist Kesha actually wrote quite a bit of songs for Lady Gaga and uh, Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. She wrote a lot of their songs for them. Mm-hmm. So you have to think she writes her own songs. <laughs> unless I think unless she actually has to collab with someone because she's not the main singer. She's just. You know, sort of. She plays a backup vocal. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's her own songs, I believe she writes her own stuff. And that is something to be inspired by. Yeah. Absolutely. She came, she literally came from the bottom and made her way to the top. And she'll always be known as Kesha. Not, I mean, she could be compared to Lady Gaga, but you have to think she wrote some of her music. So. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why anyone would want to write songs for other people. To be honest. Like, why? I mean, if you're a starving artist yourself, why are you wanting to write for other people? Like, I know it's part of the networking gig, but they're literally taking songs that you've written, that you put your heart and soul into. But that person may be creative and be able to make make it uh make a beautiful song but they don't have the talent or they don't have the um they ain't got the balls to get up on stage and do it yeah. you know i don't know if her name's on it though that's the thing i don't think her name is on like composer or something like that i don't think it her may name's not on be it. because a lot of times those the the record companies will buy the complete buy right that song yeah they'll get a flat fee or it just I would depends. just at least keep my name on it. I think I would be like, okay, if you put my, if you keep my name on it, then sure I'll let you, you, you know, have it. But as long as my name's on it, like that's because you want to be recognized as that, right? Because then when you come out and say, oh, I wrote songs for so and so, who's gonna believe you? It's. Because there's their, no proof. Word, yeah, it's their word against yours. All there is is a check. And they could say, oh, well, we help pay for your ticket to making it or something like that. They can make up something. Right. So, I don't know. I would at least have my name on it if I were to actually collab with someone. Be like, okay, can I be a back, a back a background singer or something? Like something. I mean, I think she was for a couple artists. Well, that's like these ghostwriters, too. I mean, their name is nowhere on it. Yeah. Uh, um, what is it? 
no, not Dean Koontz. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, there's one guy that he's got all these ghost writers that are writing his series for him. He's the one that comes up with the idea. It's like, okay, you go ahead and write that one. All right, you write that one. And that's how he's able to pump out all these books constantly. Well, he I has a team work. He pays those people well. I really do because I wouldn't be keep you know writing for somebody if I wasn't getting paid well. They usually <laughs> get paid well. I hope so. I don't know. I just, uh, I guess it just kind of depends on the person. I don't know because if if I were to come up in the world, I don't think I want to keep having someone write stuff for me. Because if then you get questioned about it, let's say you just gave off the ideas and you never read the damn thing, and then you go to an interview right. and people, yeah, I am so afraid that that would happen. I'd be like, mm, this feels like school all over again, like <laughs> blanking on a test, like, uh, <laughs> looking like I'm an sure ass. that that he gets the cliff notes. Cliff version of it all notes but anyone can read cliff notes but you really got to know your characters be like oh well johnny well there's no johnny in this book oh well that's in my next book <laughs> like that's what i would be like like okay spoiler alert next book has johnny in it and be right like, okay moving on <laughs> <laughs> moving on yeah so i i don't know i think it, it varies between each person but as long as I guess you're compensated well for the work that you do I, I would just still want to have my name on it but I get the the whole outsourcing deal so I outsource for my my podcast but I also um, kind of negotiate so like my artwork I was able to have it for free as long as I advertise as business and all that so we're negotiating like terms for that and same with the intro song and that's why I give credit to music by symphony um, if you guys want music done you guys can get it done by them just hit them up on Instagram M-U-Z-I-K's by symphony and that's all part of the networking too yeah so I get the whole outsourcing thing but um, with book writing stuff I just feel like that's completely different because there's so much editing that has to go through it and then yes. you're, on a, you're on a time schedule so if he's like, you need to write this and write this, if he's saying it needs to be done by this date, I'm like, two weeks isn't enough. It has to get done, though. So, Right, and and that's also if you're working for any big publisher and they they have you under contract, you have to abide by their schedule and you have to do what they say. And if you have a, have a family you take care of, I, that would be so stressful. That would right. be literally stressful. That would be like, I can't get enough sleep. Because I would assume that that person is only writing. Like, maybe they might have a full-time job, too, on top of it. Or a part-time job or something like that. Because... A lot do. Yeah. Because, I mean, um, I've heard that a lot of writers, you know, even musicians, it doesn't pay as much as you think. No, they don't. You know, it actually costs money to make money. Exactly. So, I mean, I, but that's life you know you've got to make you know spend a little to get more but i i i don't know i think I'd, i still always have a job and still doing what i i like to do it on the side um, um that's just the way i've always done i've always worked for the supposed man so <laughs> <laughs> i i just i don't know any different but my plans are to eventually own a coffee shop 
if I really wanted to, but I'm actually more leaning towards maybe a coffee shop slash vegan restaurant. Don't know. Maybe in the works. Because veganism has really taken off. And I'm vegetarian, so I went to this vegan festival Saturday, and I was just so inspired. It was so much fun. Of course, I'm there for all the samples, but regardless, I had a blast. Um, there was this guy, and he was handing me juice, and I was like, can I try that one? And he was like, yep. And I was like, hmm. It, it's really good, but I'm really intrigued by the one that's green. Can I try that one, too? He's like, yes, you can. And I was like... Okay, but the other one has apple in it. Does it taste any different? He was like, do you want to try it? Yes. <laughs> I was like, sample. I was so excited. And I had ice cream. I, I mean, I, I'm going to post pictures and everything of it because um, it just happened Saturday, so I still have to get everything together. But uh, I had ice cream on a coconut. And so I was so <laughs> fascinated by the coconut. I was like, yes. It was $10. My boyfriend was like, that's a waste of money. I was like, Screw you. I, you know what I'm doing with this coconut? He was like, what? I'm turning it into a bowl. He was like, but it is a bowl. <laughs> I'm like, I understand that. Just wait till we get home. So then I go home, and I take all the stuff out, and I tried to melt it, but it didn't work. So that was an epic fail on my part. But I took everything else out, <laughs> and, I, and I washed it all up. I didn't have sandpaper, so I had to take a scrubber that you use for dishes. I understand. It doesn't work, but I attempted it. And so I did it, and I put a candle in it, and that, it's a bowl. That holds my candle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I'm full. I'm not super funny, but I know I can make people laugh. <laughs> and that's legitimately what happened. I was all about the samples. And my boyfriend hates that because he's like, I can never go shopping with you. And I was like, do you know? Do you know that there's this grocery store in uh, a Muncie? And I go to it and... um. They have, I've never seen a grocery store that gives out samples. Dude, I had a blast. I'm going to like smelling all the perfume. And I'm like, I'm not trying the lipstick because that's really gross. But I'm looking at it and he's like, oh, can we leave now? I was like, I don't have my son at the moment. So no, you can wait. And I'm like smelling all this stuff and trying the lotion. I was like, ooh, some face lotion. I was like, just wait. Let me see if my skin feels any different by 5 p.m. tonight. He's like, what do you mean? I was like. Because I'm trying all the stuff right now. He was like, trying all what? I was like, do you see free, 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 free? Right here. I'm trying it now. Yeah, my my face felt like a baby's bottom. It was awesome. And I'm like, it was free. So I was like, do you realize I can come back in here tomorrow and the next day and just keep trying these things? Like, my skin will be fantastic. And be like, what are you using? The grocery store. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Free is my thing, and so I, like, he hated going around to each little thing, but I had to hear everyone's pitch Saturday, and... Did, did you drag him around with his head laid low? <laughs> he didn't really spend the time. It? He spent $3 on a freaking sticker that I could put on my car. Like, I'm not... <laughs> and I spent almost $100, because he's like, well, most of it, guys, it was food. Come on, it's vegan food. It was delicious. <laughs> and so... I was the one spending all the money, but I got a lot of free samples because this is what I did. I didn't just, there's some places that didn't have free samples, but you know what? If you talk to them and you sign up for whatever thing that they're trying to get you to sign up for, you know, you can just unsubscribe later. But anyways, I did, I signed up 
had all my information on there and then I was like but I don't really know if this product is really gonna be good because I know it'd be really good for my mom I just don't know how persuasive I'm gonna be and they were like well if here and they'll go back and they kept giving me they were like you can try this and gave me a sample anyways and it wasn't even on the damn table and I'm telling you networking works because a girl hit me up tonight and I don't know if I'm really going to respond but she hit me up tonight and was like hey do you want to go for dinner and explore more products of what we offer I'm like that's a free dinner <laughs> well well okay um part of the networking thing something to remember <laughs> well, yeah. no, 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 that, that's a good jump off because you made me think of this and and it feeds back to I am a whore I, I am an internet whore. I absolutely am. People will vouch that for me. Yeah. Um, but you got to remember that Facebook and Twitter and all the other social media sites are a black hole. And you can start that death scroll that never ends. And before you know it, the day is gone. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn how to pull yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. If used properly, those are some of the most powerful tools out there to get your work known. I mean... Uh, my, my cover artist, he has the majority of the cover done. He's got two of the major ships. He's working on the next ship. Um, it'll be in the background of it. Um, his name's Brendan Smith. I found him through a group on Facebook. Okay. Uh, the groups are amazing because you can learn a lot of information. You can pop a question and get an answer quick, especially if it's something specific like, um, you know, medieval life. Okay, if, I'm sure that there's a group on living in the medieval world. So you could ask a question, well, what did they do for this? And, you know, how did they take care of pink eye at that time? And, you know, things like that. So I've, I've joined all these different groups for the sake of knowledge. Because knowledge is power in the end. Um, but I ended up finding my cover artist um, through one of these groups. And he's got the cover art partially done and we shared it out last thursday friday something like that and in under 24 hours i had 1400 views wow it's just like whoa, <laughs> whoa. this dude is good dude is damn good well worth what i've paid um he's as long as nothing happens to him he's going to get the next couple covers too you know it's just one of those things but mm -hmm. that's all because of the networking and you know one person passed on the name passed on the name and it finally got down to where i was talking to this guy um so it does pay off but you got to remember to just use it as a tool and not get sucked into it right right you're screwed yeah, um, so I'm, I'm still going to stay in touch with the girl because the products were actually pretty good. I just wanted the sample because <laughs> I need to know what I'm going to be purchasing, especially if the price is $124 for, like, four items. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it's good see. quality stuff. I'm telling you that much. It was good. I just don't know yet, so I may have to try some more. I know it's so bad, but I know that um, I, I, I won't be able to make the dinner, but... Um, I know that I could probably recommend her to my mom, of course, because it's like skin stuff. But the one product that I loved, absolutely loved at that vegan festival, and it, candles. Guys, <laughs> there's, I am a candleholic. And you know you can make your own. It's not that hard to make your own candles. I know this. 
<laughs> this candle, guys. I know, I know I can make my own. I'm just, I have too much time. This candle, though, guys, the smell of it, I don't even have it lit, and I smell it in my room. That is how good this candle is. I mean, it, I told my boyfriend, I told him when we got home, I was like, that is a fuck me candle. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not playing. It is I will get you in the mood type candle, because it was, it's so orgasmic when you smell it. And so, so he hasn't also, burned the candle down yet. I mean, you think that no, would have been? No, but I, I lit the like little. Sa- I lit the little sample one, and it's the same flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say that night was good. <laughs> and oh, I, like you walk into the room and you're just like, oh, it's so relaxing, and you just get kind of tingly. I love it. It's that. It smells that good, and it, it's um, vegan body shop. There, uh, the smell was vanilla champagne. So good. It smells so good. So if you guys want to check that out, look them up. Um, let's see. What was the brand? I'm going to check it out real quick. The brand, the company was, um, oh, I guess it just says Heart in Chicago, Illinois. But just look up the vegan body shop. And it was, like I said, it's located in Chicago, Illinois. I'm telling you. I'm holding this candle, and it just smells so good. Uh, that was my favorite item. And it, you know what? It was $10. $10 for this candle. So much better than Yankee. I'm telling you that much. But I also got, like I said, several samples and information booklets and all that stuff about vegans. and So I was well-informed. <laughs> I was filled with good food. Supplied with several products that didn't cost me anything, and also items that I bought for myself. And I got a, a book for my son that was about, it's called, a, I actually got the author to sign it. It's called Ain't No Chicken in My Chicken Pot Pie. And it was, it's a, a, like a vegetarian book vegan whatever and I was like this is interesting so I'm like the author signed it so I don't know if my kid's gonna hold it but because who knows how famous she's gonna get later <laughs> who knows um, right never yeah. know come on JK Rowling she submitted to how many different publishers and they all turned her down then the final one is like okay sure and boom <laughs> right? she got like rejected like 12 times or something yeah something like that so, yeah, I'm probably going to keep this and probably just kind of read it to him. Just never be like, don't put your hands on it. Um, my boyfriend's like, you probably should have got a picture with her. It's like, mm, I don't I don't like my picture taken. So that was a no-no. But I got her autograph, and I took a picture of that. <laughs> so that works. <laughs> so that was my experience. And so that goes with the whole networking thing. So I've made a lot of new people, like friend-wise, and, you know, I've got their business cards and all that. So um, I'll be making sure to tag those people in my social media because get ahead of the game. And so I advise everyone to network. That's all, That's how you're going to get big in the first place. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you can't make it on your own. I'm sorry. It's just you can't do it. You have to have some type of help from some supporter or whatnot. They, I was told you have to create 30 freaking hashtags in order I was like no no you know how hard it is to create a hashtag that isn't already the word that's in the post <laughs> I'm telling you 
I'm like trying to create something. I was like, I don't know how people come up with this stuff because I'm thinking, I'm like, check out this podcast. Hashtag podcast. Right. I'm like, what What am I supposed to do? Hashtag topic of podcast or hash? I don't know how to do it. So I'm like, I'm still learning the game. It's I, I didn't start up my Twitter again until last year. Like, it's just been there posting those, um, whatever posts, the, uh, cause I'm Libra, the horoscope. Okay. I just kept posting that for like five, six years. Well, Every if, day. if it wasn't for the writing gig, I wouldn't even have a Twitter cause it's like, okay. I got better things to be doing. Yeah. But now uh-huh. I'm kind of trying to like keep active as much as possible engage with the audience but i'm like i'm not constantly on there so neither snapchat i was just on there for the the little filters and having a blast and then now i got my son hooked on he thinks he looks good (laughs) (laughs) if you check out my instagram you'll see how much of a cutie pie he is he like i said he's beautifully mixed and so he is my son is something else i'm telling you there is this uh seven eight seven eight month baby at daycare and she's in her car seat asleep and he'll go in he he's a year and a half and he absolutely loves this woman she's not even a woman yet but still he'll go and <laughs> lean on get down on his knees lean in on top of the on top of her car seat with his hands together smile and wait for her to wake up once she does <laughs> she is giggly she's smiley and he wants to give her a kiss i'm like dude I know this is in front of your mama, but that was the cutest way to say you love her. <laughs> but then, you know what he does? He he wants to go and talk to his other girlfriends who are like twice his age. I'm like, dude, and they're just daycare workers. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but still, he loves everybody there. But we were saying bye the other day, and he turns, he does the look away with her. I was like, ooh, did you see that? She goes, yep. And then he turns back, and he sticks out his tongue and wiggles it in front of her. I said, Parker Anthony, you better put that tongue back in your mouth. And he starts smiling. And I was like, I'm teaching you early. That is disgusting, and you better not be a pig. (laughs) I'm giving you a heads up. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling his dad this. And he's like, that's my boy. And I said, no, it ain't. Your boy is going to be respectful of all women. He ain't going to be a player. He's going to be the cutest one on the basketball team. He's like, why basketball? I was like, because he likes to dribble one. But anyways, like my, my boy is just, he's so observant. So no one teaches him how to like dribble basketball. He just wants to do it. And he, he has a natural rhythm with music. And he, right now, he's taking books and he's trying to attempt to read whatever the words are. I'm like, I don't know where this boy is headed, but he, at his age, he's phenomenal. He learns just really quick. And I mean, just like any kid, but it's just something about him. I know that's bias of me to say, but he just. They're sponges there's something at that there. Yeah, there's just something about him that I'm like, okay, so what is he going to be? Is he going to be something that I always wanted to be, like, musician-wise? Or is he going to be a sports fanatic? Like, who knows where this child is going? All I know is he is a ladies' man. He needs to quit it. <laughs> I'm telling I don't know if I need to have a stack of restraining orders at hand or what. Like, the first girlfriend, mm-mm, not happening. 
Sorry. He needs to be focused on his studies. You can go off. Like, I don't know what to do, because I... He's going to be, like, one of those guys that every girl's going to fond over. He is that, like, his smile is drawing you in. I can't go through a grocery store without some girl coming up to me going, oh, he's so cute. And, like, inside I want to go step away from the baby. <laughs> like, don't touch. I had a random guy come up and want to kiss him. And I understand, like, because I worked for, um, you know, special needs individuals. So I knew there was something about him, but I was like, okay, you don't need to be kissing him, but you could say hi. Like, I had to intervene, and the woman that was trying to take care of him was like, oh, she he, she didn't realize because she was trying to grab a chip, chip bag or something like that. She didn't realize he was going after my son. And I was like, oh, baby, uh, yeah. that's a boy. Are you into boys? Nah. He's, like, shaking his head no. I'm like, do you understand what I'm saying? And Shake has no. I'm like, yeah, you don't you don't know what I'm saying. So we're good with that. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I joke with my son a lot about a lot of things and but I'm not gonna hide anything. Like I told his dad the other day, I was like, So what if your son is gay? He hung up on me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was and I called him back, I was like, Why'd you hang up on me? He's like, Because you're talking crazy. I was like, So you wanna accept your son? He was like, You better shut up. That's what he told me. <laughs> You better shut up. I'm like, I'm just saying, things can happen. The world is changing. And I would accept my boy for whoever he wants to become, whatever he wants to do. He was like, you better keep that out of your mouth. But gay can mean happy. I was just going off. Well, that's what it originally meant. Yeah, yeah. One of my mom's uh, family members, her middle name is gay. So... But, yeah, so I don't think she really advertises that as much anymore. But still, um, I don't know. My son's going to be something. And I know you talked about your kids and you described in your description how they're just really smart nerds. And so oh, yeah. I'm they, sure you're easy you, nerd babies. I mean, what was it? This one, the, the oldest one had had a, uh, a grape juice bottle that had leaked in her lunchbox which had leaked in her backpack mm-hmm. and she had um, took the backpack to school and was like, Oh, it fermented and, you know, washed up the backpack and everything. But her little, little pencil bag, she didn't realize it got some on it. So put everything back in and she's at school and pull it out. Like, Oh, it turned to vinegar. And she had, she went through the process of explaining how fermentation worked and how, how it, it turns to vinegar if you get a certain bacteria in there to the teacher and the teacher's just like, how do you know this? Well, my daughter brews with me. She, she helps me make beer and honey meat and wine. But I mean, you, you have an enclosed biome right there in a five gallon carboy. If you have the yeast going just right, you can get a full wave sign going around the carboy. And it's amazing to see. But she explained all this to her teacher, and her teachers are just like, what? What? <laughs> so are you – that's interesting. Um, so do you think any of your kids are following in line with the writing? Oh, yeah. Well, the oldest uh, – my daughter, she is actually being published in the April edition of Aphelion under her pen name of Kit Roberts. Her, her little flash fiction piece called Snowman Snow Snowman Dream, 
Snowman stream. Wait, how old is she? Eleven. That's amazing. And she's getting published for the first time. She needs to Wait. put that on her resume. Oh, yeah. ASAP. And, and she's going to LibertyCon with me this year, and she wants her badge to have her pin name and so she can get her little author ribbon. And So I'll have to contact them to make sure all that's set up. But, that's you know, awesome. it's just one of those amazing things. You know, the the boys, they haven't found their their niche yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, they look. The, the middle one, he loves guns. He loves guns. He loves video mm-hmm. games. And he can rattle off stats on handguns, which is crazy. It's how like, old is so, he? Nine. And he, it's like he knows more about some of these guns than I do. It's just like, wow. wow. And the littlest one, he's the stubborn thinker. He'll sit back and he'll watch and he'll he'll just pay attention. The observer. Yeah. And like my son, yeah. But he'll get mean too. Ooh. I'm not sure where he's going to land yet. He, they're they're <laughs> I, all. I'm sweet. sure about my oldest too, but the the youngest one, hmm, gotta think. <laughs> yeah, that, it's just he hasn't he hasn't found that thing yet. Right, and that's hard. But you know, he's still at that age where he could still explore, and so that's all you have to do. Like, like I'm just gonna let my son. Do whatever he he wants to put his heart to. Like I don't want to force anything other than you do need to go to college, at least get two years under your belt, at least, um, and anything even if it's just all your general stuff. Like I just want him to at least get something in the door, um, to add to his resume. That's all I would expect. But for well, your kids, like I, with guns. I don't even know anything about guns, to be honest. I've never shot with a gun other than a BB gun. Well, the the one thing that I, I can absolutely say for a fact is, is pay attention to them. Yeah. You know, a lot of times whenever I was writing or drawing or whatever, I'd show it to somebody and I got that condescending, oh, yeah, that looks really nice. That looks great. I love it. You don't even know what the fuck you just looked at, do you? <laughs> you know? Tell me what it's it said. Like, no, no, actually turn around and pay attention to them and give them that moment because they went through that to show it to you to get some kind of feedback. Give them true feedback. Don't give them a mom answer because that's what that is. That's a mom answer. You know, I, I will not let my parents read an alpha read on any of my stuff because all they're going to do is give me a, a mom answer. Oh, yeah, I liked it. It was really good. Like, that don't help me. That ain't worth shit. I want right. you to bleed on it and tell me where I screwed up. Like, give you know? me some details as to what you really loved about it and your thoughts about it. Like, Right. Yeah, yeah. More, My mom would do that. She uh, you know, she would actually criticize all my stuff. It got to a point like, okay, can you can you give me the mom answer for once? Right. Like, just, uh, just uh, once. <laughs> you, know, you know, give them that little bit of attention because that means the world to a creative child. Yeah. You know? Might be annoying at first, but they'll appreciate it so much more when they get older. Um, you know, encourage them. It's like, what was it? My junior, I don't know. I was in 11th grade, I think. I was in 11th or 12th. I had all my classes picked and it was a lot of stuff I just wanted to learn. I had like wood shop, auto mechanics, welding, drafting. You know, I had all this tech school stuff that I wanted to just learn. My dad went up or changed it all out to college prep. So now I'm in. Trig, geometry, uh, advanced English, um, 
AP chemistry, AP biology, just like, what in the hell? <laughs> and he put me into the college prep stuff and it's like, well, you know what? My give a fuck just went away. And I, I, <laughs> I, I barely graduated. Um, oh yeah. Because I just didn't give a fuck. Right. Because there, there was no encouragement there for what I wanted. You know, same thing went with the military. I wanted to go in the military. I, I knew I wanted to go into the military. Um, I even wanted to go and move in with my mammal in, in the next town over so that I could do the, the ROTC program at, at the, the high school in Logan. Mm-hmm. But nope, nope, can't do that. You got to stay here. It's just like, what the hell? I'm trying to improve myself and take the next step forward. Right. And, uh, you know, just encourage them in what they actually want. Help them to see the pros and cons of the direction they're going. But, you know, as long as they're not going to hurt themselves, let them and let them fumble and see where they fumble. And they'll learn from those mistakes. Right. You know, don't blindly just, okay, well, yeah, here, here, kick you in the ass and let you go on out the door. No, help them. Don't let them kill themselves, but let them chase the path that they want to go. Right. I'm just with someone who was so indecisive, so I think that's why my mom wasn't as strict with me uh, when I went to college, because she knew, like, I'll find my way or whatever, but she, you know, allowed me to decide what I wanted for myself, and that was benefit beneficial for me instead of throughout high school like pushing me to try to do like I was actually um I wasn't in any sport or whatever in freshman year in high school but I was forced to get into a sport by sophomore year or just to be grounded for the entire year because my mom didn't want me to just be at home doing nothing right and so it helped it helped I was I ended up being a swimmer for three for the next three years and I improved, but I didn't necessarily need it, and I didn't carry on with it, but at least it got me in the door, you know, somewhat, <laughs> towards something else and, that I was more passionate about. Right, and, and you know, not everybody's cut out for college right off the bat either. I mean, I, I already had it set up with recruiters to where I was going in the Air Force the day after graduation, but, you know, my mom's... Oh, they're going to ship you off and get you killed. You can't do that. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, you my get uncle killed got... walking outside. What you talking about? Oh, I know. But my uncle got me a job working in the hydraulic back shop. He worked in a hydraulics repair shop for uh, mining equipment. So I got a flunky job, four and a quarter an hour, basic benefits, you know, and which it, it it's trippy because the notebook that I created when I – started working there and i i drew isometric drawings of the pumps and valves and everything with detailed notes and pressure settings and all that kind of stuff because i would take the the stuff and clean it up as it came from the mines the guys would tear it down rebuild it and then i'd test it on the test equipment so i had all my notes they still have my notebook from 25 years ago <laughs> it's just like what the hell um but you know i i, I tried college I used what I got from graduation to pay for my first semester, and it still wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was doing odd jobs to make gas and insurance money because four and a quarter didn't go anywhere when I'm trying to pay for college. Right. And I flunked everything except for, was it, I had movie appreciation, and there was some other crap elective that I took that I passed barely. And 
It's just like, screw this. I'm going in the Air Force. And I went to MEPS. I signed up. And if my uncle hadn't have blabbed, I would have made it out scot-free. But he blabbed like <laughs> two weeks before I left. And, oh, my God, they're going to get you shipped off and killed. Yeah, I don't care. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mama, I'll see you next holiday. <laughs> but, you know, I, I left and I never looked back because you had mines or military back there. Otherwise, there's nothing back in the the hills of southern West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, it's gotten worse. I mean, it, it's sad. You go back there and the amount of prescription pill abuse is insane. That's the same in my uh, hometown with meth. Yeah, well, I mean, they've, they've got meth and all that, but prescription drugs and... You know, getting signed up so you can get your crazy check. That, that's how everybody lives back here. And it, it's it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's just you, know, you I, have to separate yourself from those that are really going to bring you down. And so you really just got to do you. And especially when you have kids. You don't want your kids in that environment. I don't want my kid in the environment. I want to be somewhere where he's going to be safe and away from all that. But it's so hard nowadays because, you know, you don't know. Like, my hometown wasn't addicted the way it is now. Not growing up. Like, you didn't hear a whole bunch of stories. Now, I'm people I graduated with are being arrested or have killed themselves and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, just stay off. What is so fascinating about these drugs? Like, seriously. Right. You know? And then it, we, it, were, we were known for high pregnancy rate. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and it just keeps getting worse. And, yeah. you know, I love the hills of West Virginia. There is nothing that can compare to it. It's beautiful back there. I mean, I spent a lot of time just up in the hills thinking and pondering. And you know, I've, I've been chased by black bear and bobcat and just about every other predator out there in the hills. Um, and, and, you know, I've drawn on those experiences, too. I'll never forget them. I'll never forget the people that I grew up around. I mean, that was families when I was little, and I still remember going to their houses. They didn't have running water or electric in the house. They went out to the creek and they had the bucket and you had an outhouse out back. And that was that they heated with coal and the wood and they still lived like they did turn of the century. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's just the way it was. Um, you know, I'll never forget it. I respect everything that happened there, but to better for my family, I left and didn't go back. I mean, the Chattanooga area, it is a great little hub on the East Coast because right here, not not only do you have all the Civil War history and things like that and the things that just happened here historical wise, you've got a lot of science in the area. You've got you've got Atlanta, Knoxville, Nashville, Birmingham and Huntsville all within about two hours drive. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of potential for jobs, for education, for for just knowledge in general, all around here. Where up in West Virginia, it takes you an hour to go 15 miles <laughs> because that's just the way it is. Um, there, there's nothing in southern West Virginia, nothing like, like, like there is here. I mean, we live in Chickamauga, Georgia, and in 15 minutes, I'm up in the heart of Chattanooga. Right. Instead of being in Walker County, you know, so. Hmm. Uh, at, like I said, I can't protect my kid from everything. All I could do is just teach him. Stay away from this. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. 
just and eventually it's on them. I mean, I lost a niece during the summer. Um, mm, she had had issues back and forth with different drugs, and uh, she ended up having an overdose on heroin back July, August, something like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, she was young. She was nineteen. Mm. But she was an adult. She made her choice. Right. And her little sisters, you know, life's got to go on for them. Because she was an adult and she made her choice. It's sad. It is. She will be missed. But life's got to go on. You shouldn't have, no one should be burdened by someone's choices. Especially if, like, there was a discussion. um, I was in a focus group and someone's like, Focus group. That's what I was trying to think of before. That was the word. Not 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 just uh, product development. Focus group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the focus group. Um, I was actually part of one, and uh, that got talked about was like, what are you what are you gonna do if someone's doing this? And someone's like, I'm gonna stick with them no matter what. And my question was, but are you gonna stop to an extent? Like, if you keep helping someone and they keep going back. There's only so much patience I can deal with, if especially if you're spending money to try to get them help and all that stuff. Like, I'm sorry, three strikes and you're out type deal. Like, if you're going to keep doing this behind my back and lie to my face or if you stay sober and you go back, especially if you have kids, like, I'm sorry. I can't deal with someone who, you know, you go about yourself. That gets to the point where you're enabling them. Yeah, pretty much, because they know that they're going to get taken care of, they're going to get clean, and then they can go back and do what they want, and then they're going to do it again. Right. And I tried telling this to this woman, and I was so irritated, because I'm like, so when is the stopping point for you? Well, I'm going to help no matter what, because I'm not going to leave someone who's vulnerable. I'm like, they're playing you at that point. Do you not think that's more psychological than anything? And, And you can only lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink either. Right. I'm you know, so if somebody irritated. doesn't if if somebody doesn't want to go get help or they don't want to go into rehab, you can't force them. Not unless they've done something that the law says that they have to go into rehab for, you know. Right. Or or whatever the case may be. Right. And so I just I left it alone, but at the same time, I'm like seriously, you're you're really gonna? I I just I lost it. Really, you're gonna stick away with someone just because they're your friend, like. You don't think they're just using you? But I don't think she thought through all of, like, the consequences to, like you said, enabling. And um, I don't think I could do it. I don't, I have a breaking point. Like, if you, if I, I love to help people, but I can't help those that don't help themselves. Right. Type deal. So, I mean, it is what it is. And, um, yeah, the... The drug world is taking over. Um, high pregnancy rates taking over. I mean, I just I don't get I don't get the the need for any of it to be honest. Like, wait until you're ready for one and two. Don't overdo it. Don't try things you shouldn't. That's all I can say. That's all I can really teach my son. Like, he he's a boy, so when it comes that time, his dad's gonna have a thorough talk with him. Like, I can't do that. All I can say is, cap it. Yeah. <laughs> Cap it. That's all I can say. Wrap it up, whatever you need to do. Um, so, well, knowledge is power. 
teach them about the women's cycle and everything else that goes along with it. I will. I will, but that still won't stop him. And so I'd rather him be safe about it than him being stupid. So I'm not saying I'd have him have sex in my house, but I'm saying if you do, wrap it up. Yeah. Because it is what it is. But I don't want to be a grandma at an early age either, so that's not happening. So uh, <clears throat> that's that. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> what was it? All right, I got to get up in like four hours. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a couple questions and then we'll end. Uh, so I always ask some fun questions um, right before we end. Uh, so besides a dog and a cat, what is your favorite four-legged creature and why? Oh crap! That's a dog and a cat. Uh, uh, huh. What? Wait. The wife. Well, squirrels to start with, because they're evil and they they help feed all the crap that pops in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess that'll work. Yeah, squirrels. Okay. <laughs> all right. And name three things in nature you find most beautiful. Oh, wow. Um, you know those foggy mornings as the sun is just starting to rise and you get all the multicolors coming coming through the upper layer of the fog? Mm-hmm. That That is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Oh. It is gorgeous. I can't imagine being on top of a mountain, though, and seeing that. Well, see, looking down, well, e- even at sunset, if, if certain times of year in West Virginia, uh, we used to go up on onto this one point that was one of the highest in the area in Logan County. And when you look down, you could see the lights from houses and stuff already kicking on, but it's a, that fog is settling in, and the top of all of that fog would just light up like it was on fire. Mm-hmm. So you'd see all that dark down in the valleys with the tip top to the mountains lit up and all that fog lit up and glowing and it's just eerie mm. yeah, yeah. nature is beautiful alright so next question when was the last time you lied and to whom and why I lie to people every day I'm a writer <laughs> and why because I'm a writer <laughs> no, no, because I can. Because you can. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, next question is, what is your favorite body part of the human body and why? Oh, wow. Um, mm, mm. I don't know if you want my answer on that one. Don't be dirty, because I know every guy is going to be like, it's my dick. But, you know, come on now. <laughs> um. Besides that, I'm talking... Okay, so let's, what about eyes. favorite part of the human face? The, the eyes. They're the windows to the soul. I mean, you can tell a lot about a person just by actually looking them in the eye. Good answer. <laughs> good answer. No, for real, that was a good answer. Um, okay, so that kind of wraps up uh, this episode. Uh, I thank you so much for being part of it. I am so honored to have you here and um, you've given me everything that I need to for the description. So the links to social media, the links to his um, articles, books, anything like that has been sent to me. So I will make sure to put that in the description for you all to read. 
Um, and, you, you know, check them out, like, subscribe, whatever you need to do. Uh, and I'm sure you're willing to answer any questions if they have any. Um, oh, absolutely. So if you have any last words to say before we close. Um, yeah, just hit me up on any of the social media platforms that you find me on. And I am more than happy to answer questions or point people in the right direction, especially when it comes to trying to figure out how to go about getting it done and learning what you need to do to publish and to get your writing done. I mean, if you don't share the knowledge, the next generation isn't going to learn it. Right. Okay. Well, that's word to the wise. So thank you so much again for joining me, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the evening. I know you have to get up for work, but I, I hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Hey, you too. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. If you like the intro music, you can hear more and get your own custom beats by contacting me on Instagram at Music by Symphony. That's M-U-Z-I-K-B-Y-S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y. Once again, that's M-U-Z-I-K-B-Y-S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y.